Welcome to the Nobles You podcast. Thanks for listening, and we are glad you are with us. My name is Mike Kalin, the Director of Teaching and Learning at Nobles, and I'll be your host today. I first want to briefly explain the purpose of the podcast and what we're hoping to provide you. So on the podcast, we speak with faculty and staff members, all involved with our work related to teaching and learning, academic technology, DEI culture and practices, social-emotional learning, and more. Our faculty and staff here have a great deal of expertise on a wide range of subjects. And through the podcast, we hope to learn from our guests who provide insight into the opportunities and challenges in the fascinating world of education. So today we're excited to speak with Sue Chameleon, head of our math department here and recipient of the 2023 Vernon L. Green Prize for Faculty Excellence. Sue, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. Okay, so let's start very early. So going back to childhood, uh, question is, you know, was math always a passion for you or did your interest in the discipline come later in life? Uh, I always liked puzzles and patterns and noticing how things were interconnected. Um, and I think that's the heart of mathematics. But I think growing up and going in, in high school in particular, the traditional path, I was good at it, but I didn't love it. Um, I think my passion... Um, for the possibilities of mathematics really opened up in college. Um, when I got to see what proofs are and, and sort of the pure mathematics side of things, the, the applied side um, never really appealed to me as much as the, as the pure side. So I had some amazing college professors that kind of helped spark my, my passion for math. So it's interesting. So sticking with the past, um, one of the things that I hear, especially as a parent of a couple of young children, is that math is being taught differently than today. And you're going to need to learn like a whole brand of math in order to help your children. And I was just curious if, if that's true or if that's an exaggeration. Is math taught differently today than it was, you know, say a, a decade or so ago? I mean, I think yes and no. I think there are so many more tools to, to help students learn math more now. So it's not so much drill and kill of um, some of the methods we have, you know, with calculators, with Desmos, which helps you see graphs with some of the online tools. I think there's so many more tools. And I think now there's a greater emphasis on pattern recognition um, more than the more than learning tricks per se. And so sometimes the way patterns are discovered in say elementary school is different than maybe the way you and I learned it. Um, but I think at the heart of it, it's still the same. But I, I think it's important when, when we talk to kids about, you know, if they need help with their homework per se, it's, it's sort of understanding the process that's going on in the classroom, just because the, the end result is probably the same as, as what we did. But sometimes getting there can be a little bit, a little bit different. But there's certainly more tools to help visualize um, some of what we had to had to do on our own. Um, and I, so I think there are just so many more options out there with, with Khan Academy, with um, Desmos, with Wolfram Alpha. It's just much more accessible in some ways. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's actually a relief to know that it's not starting from scratch. It just seems like some modifications um, over the years. So moving along to 
post-college life. I'm just curious if you can tell us a little bit about your professional life prior to Nobles and what attracted you to come here. Yeah, I um, in college, I did a lot of um, TA and um, working in the math center, tutoring and stuff. And um, I think prior to college, I thought I want to go into education and then it was like high school education. And then people were like, well, how do you know you want to do high school education if you're in high school? Um, so then it made me start to question myself and what I, what I wanted. And um, so I, I explored a lot of different things, but I found at the end of the day, I found some of those jobs boring or just, I felt like anyone could do them if they had the, the skill. And so I, after college, I went to a boarding school, Blair Academy in New Jersey, where I taught and coached and lived in the dorm. And it sort of felt like a nice extension from my my college existence of mm-hmm. going to classes and sports. And so it was a nice transition. But then I realized that a full-time boarding school in a rural area was not really for me. And so I I went to grad school at Northeastern in Boston thinking maybe I'd pursue a PhD, maybe professor life was was for me. And I I loved the teaching, but I felt like my connection to students wasn't the same. It was much more transactional. Um, I think they would have thought I was strange if I showed up to some of their games or matches, you know, and so there wasn't that same community. And so after a master's, I decided that um, pursuing a PhD wasn't really, I missed the classroom. I, the, the being in the classroom more full time and missing my connection with students. Um, so I went to a day school out in Colorado. I went to the Kent Denver school. I was out there for a couple of years and I loved it. I had some great mentors out there. Um, I think it's the only school that has a nicer dining hall than Nobles. It looked out <laughs> over, over the, um, the Rocky Mountains. It was like a 360 of the Rocky Mountains. It was gorgeous. And just the people there were amazing. But my family was is in the Boston area. And so after after a few years out there, I um, my brother and sister were having kids and I, I just felt like and my parents were getting older and I wanted to come back. But I since I loved where I was, I wasn't eager to take just any job. I was sort of looking for the right right fit. And Nobles had the right balance of the tight-knit community like I had at Blair Academy, where it was full-time boarding, and sort of the day school feel of Kent Denver. And so to me, it was the perfect blend of that, that community, but that I could also have my own space at the end of the day. And so that's sort of what, what brought me here. We're lucky that that was the path. It's really interesting in speaking with a decent amount of folks about how many people initially maybe thought college life would be for them. And then with a teacher coach and teacher student relationship in independent schools end up making the decision to transition back to independent schools. It seems like a common decision, which is which is pretty interesting. So now now you're math department chair at Nobles. And one of the questions that I think about, you know, as you now mentor teachers, is what quality or traits do you think characterize effective and excellent math instructors? Yeah, I mean, I think we're very fortunate and and lucky to have incredible teachers in the math department who are not 
just knowledgeable in their field of mathematics, but also caring community members who are involved in students' lives and in their communities outside of the classroom. And I think that seeing the the full student and the full student and the student seeing the full teacher helps that. I think, you know, the humor, you know, everyone in the math department is able to kind of laugh at themselves or laugh at our stories and, um, and they're collaborative and everyone sort of leaves their ego at the, at the door and is, is ready to come to come in and engage and learn from each other and know that, there's different expertise in the room and, and tapping on those resources, not being afraid to say, Hey, can you, can you help me with this problem? Or, um, what am I missing? Or do you have, do you have a good way of explaining this concept? Um, I think it's, it's a very approachable, humble department. And I'm, I'm grateful for all that they do. They step up time and time again. So. And we're really lucky to have that crew in the math department here. Yeah. Um, shifting from teachers to students. So you know, I think unlike sometimes humanities courses, many students enter math courses and it's either, you know, I'm really good at this or, hey, actually, I know I feel like I'm really bad at this and I'm not going to be able to do well. I think there's some interesting research about gender as it relates to those perceptions. And I was curious how you work to change those kind of attitudes to sort of like bifurcation of either I'm good or I'm bad. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of the few subjects where people say I'm good or I'm bad at it. You know, it's um, I think helping people see that mathematics is more than just following an algorithm can help break down some of those barriers. And if you notice patterns, if you like the repetition of like there are different ways to enter mathematics and i think helping people see both that math is more than algorithms and um it's not you don't have a fixed you don't have to have a fixed mindset of it it's you're just not good at it yet you know or you don't know how to do that thing yet and getting students to that point and i think the flip side is true too that kids who have been good at classroom mathematics and then get to, you know, uh, a topic that's totally new, they have to learn how to work through those challenges of you might not get it on the first go, but with some practice, with some of the tools that we had mentioned earlier, you know, being able to have access points into the, the material really helps get people to that next level and find successes and, and start to enjoy the, the beauty and interconnectedness of mathematics. It, it seems like a big challenge. And, and speaking of challenges, I think the other dynamic, and this is not exclusive to math courses, but it's something that we as a Nobles faculty are speaking quite a bit about. I think some students come in and, and are pretty focused, almost solely focused sometimes on grades rather than that learning process and risk taking. And similarly, just a question about you know, how in the math department, not an easy question, are you working to combat that sometimes obsession with student grades? Yeah, I mean, I think the the focus in math, given some of the tools that we mentioned earlier, is, um, you know, there are lots of ways to arrive at the correct answer. But now the focus in the math department is more on your flexibility with some of the methods that we're learning and, and um, being able to apply things in different areas so it's not 
um, so that you do have to think and analyze before diving in to solve. Um, and I think we in the math department also recognize that students have bad days. And so, you know, us being flexible too on that end of helping kids realize that just like you might have a bad game, um, that's not the totality of who you are and um, trying to piece those things and, and help them look at the at the bigger picture and sort of separate the idea that a grade means they are or aren't a math kid to your point earlier that you know you don't have to get an A to be a math kid if you're flexible and can think about certain ways. I mean there's lots of people who are great thinkers who just lose their negative sign or um, forget some things. But also we've been in Throughout my whole time here, um, the math department offers some math contests where the stakes are a little bit lower, where it tests your flexibility with thinking like the, the monthly New England Math League and the American Mathematics Contest. Um, those are all ways where the end result doesn't matter as much. And so it's a way for kids to take those risks and see see what else is out there and not be afraid to make make a mistake. I think the longer periods also has allowed us to to propose some problems that maybe kids don't know how to do and, and think about and tinker with instead of getting straight to the answer. Those are really compelling strategies. I think strategies that could be used across the school. As again, as I mentioned, as all of us continue to work on this and really help students understand that school is about intellectual curiosity and risk-taking yeah. and rather than just that letter grade that's stamped on the end of a report card. It's a, it's a huge challenge. It is a huge um, challenge. Another question that I had, which I guess my guess is that you receive a decent amount from parents is that I feel like students are increasingly enrolled in math programs outside of school outside of nobles and, and maybe even when they're very young. And just from your perspective, how effective are those outside programs? Are they something that students really benefit from or something that's just sort of nice to have but not necessary to have? Just curious about where you stand on that. Yeah, I mean, I think there are programs for everything. And it, I sort of liken it to club soccer. Any Anyone can pay to play club soccer. And sort of the same is true of of some of the math enrichment programs that, that anyone can participate. And so what I would say is if a kid is struggling and needs some extra support, those math programs are great to help um, get some of the foundational skills in if they're missing it. On the flip side, if your child is really strong and itching for something more than what they're getting, there are some great enrichment programs that, that look beyond. I think we're, becomes murky is when the programs are trying to replace curriculum and they try to say that they're, you know, a geometry course, but they're just showing you the tricks and the formulas as opposed to really the theory and the beauty of the, of mathematics. And, and there are all sorts of programs out there. And I think some, it depends on what your interests are and what your passions are, just, just like any other um, club or program, um, I think they're they're ones to meet your needs. And um, but just being, a, I think the ones that stretch thinking beyond the curriculum are really the most compelling to me because those are the ones that that really strengthen those thinking muscles that will help with the foundational 
um, curricular work that we're doing and help tie in connections and and see the patterns. And so I think there are ways where you can do both, but I think the ones that that try to do the curricular work make it then tricky for the kid who's in the class because they think they've seen it and and they might have seen pieces of it. So no, it's a really helpful response and it and it seems complex and I don't think there are any easy answers, but I again it it seems like a, a super common question. So it's helpful to hear your perspective as the math department chair on it with some authority here. All right. So so so, so move into a biggie question uh, that also does not probably have an easy answer. So the world of generative AI, this question comes up a lot on our podcast now because it's impacting disciplines across the board. And so my question is, you know, how does that emergence of generative AI impact math classes, if at all, or if it's a little bit more um, resistant to it? We have been facing these challenges for a longer time than I think some other departments maybe with the, the introduction of the calculator in the, in the 90s when it became the graphing calculator became um, a major tool in classrooms. Teachers had to change the questions that they were asking. They couldn't just say graph this quadratic because the calculator could do it. Um, so they had to change the way they asked things. and. And then with with iPhones and apps, the there's photo math. And so how do you move away from just the the algorithm of a of a problem? And and so I think on tests in class, it's easy to ask some some questions where they have to follow an algorithm um, and test that knowledge, but also thinking about how we can ask better questions to get at deeper understanding, flexible thinking. But we've been doing that all along. And I think some of the resources, the AI resources, are great for helping kids when they're stuck. Wolfram Alpha is a phenomenal resource if you're looking for some support getting through. But I know a lot of us also post all our answer keys online, you know, so I want my students to not just get the answer, but to to figure out how to get there or the different ways to get there. And so with some of the AI, I think it can help them reach those next next levels. But it's also about asking better questions. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear that because, you know, I, I work in the humanities and right now it almost feels like an existential threat to our discipline. And it's requiring these dramatic changes, I think, in how we teach or at least try try to. It's interesting to hear that the math department, I mean, to your point about calculators and other methods that were always available, it doesn't seem as dramatic of a shift, mm-hmm. which is which is nice. Yeah. So we're almost finished, but on a lighter question, just what's your favorite thing about teaching math at Nobles? People. The people in the math department, they keep me laughing every day, um, make me excited about what I do. And the and the kids, I actually the being in the classroom with my students is my favorite part of the day, and just helping them see. I'm teaching a discrete math class this year, and helping them see some of the non traditional math that's out there, like um, voting methods or fair share. We just 
um, split up in a state yesterday um, <laughs> with a with a jet ski and an iPhone and, you know, and, and all walking away with what we felt like was the fair share based on mathematics. And so that seeing that math is more than just algorithms to follow and really that it's all around us and, and everything. Um, but I feel so lucky to be a part of, of this department and um in this community no it sounds wonderful and it's been impress impressive from afar i can say i wish i went through a math program like nobles for me i look back it was very much drill and kill and we didn't really have these bigger picture sort of conceptual approaches to math so i think our students are very lucky here uh, to be able to experience that so anything else in your mind related to your experience in the math department or, or a member of the or a member of the math department it just is I it's just a great place and I feel so fortunate that my work doesn't feel like work all the time and that I get get to be supported by amazing colleagues both in my office and throughout the school and um I don't know it's exciting it's exciting to 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 see what new people coming in bring to the department and those that have been here and sort of that that give and take um, that we all have together. Great. Well, before we finish up, I just wanted to put a plug in. You can you can tell how thoughtful Sue is. And there are some other opportunities to hear from our colleagues. So recent folks were Dick Baker, Colette Finley, Heather O'Neill. So if you get a chance, these podcasts are available under the Nobles U podcast and Apple or Spotify. And we're going to be taking a few weeks for holiday break, which I think all of our faculty are looking forward to. We'll be back in January, but if you get a chance to check out some of those, really encourage you to do so. And again, thank you again, Sue. Thank you, Mike.